To ship, of course. Welcome to this holiday edition of the Ship Show, the podcast where we discuss build engineering, DevOps, release management, and everything in between. I'm your host, Paul Reed, SoberBuildEng on Twitter and at SoberBuildEngineer.com. And who's with me tonight? Uh, this is Yusuf at BuildScientist on Twitter and BuildScientist.com. And this is Seth CheeseBus on Twitter. This is Sasha Bates uh, at Sasha underscore D on Twitter. Is everyone feeling the holiday spirit this evening? I, I shocked a lot. Is that cool? I, I did go to, yeah, I did go to Ikea as well. I feel that's the only reason I know it's the holidays. Is My I- living room is buried in boxes. How's that? Is Ikea all decked out with their Swedish... Oh yes, it was. It was yes, yeah, very. It's very Christmassy. <laughs> Paul, I got some of that holiday blend you were talking about. The uh, coffee. Uh, yeah, how do you like it? It, it's pretty good. I, I, I think I like it. Yeah, it's it's too bad they only do it once a year. That stuff is kind of addictive. And on Christmas morning, little Bailey's as your opening presents. It's good stuff. So it's for tonight's show. We're gonna, as we sit down with our eggnog, we're going to be discussing release engineering and DevOps during the holidays. We'll be looking at on-call and pager duties during this time of the year, and be talking a little bit about what exactly. Uh, DevOps teams and release engineering teams do while, while their whole pager duty and whether any of that makes sense. Plus, of course, some some fun stories, possibly some horror stories. But of course, first up, news and views as we do always. There was a story that uh, EJ, actually, who's, who's here with us in spirit, linked to on Twitter about GitHub needs to take open source seriously. I thought of, uh, we'll link to it, of course, talks about open source licenses on GitHub and sort of the banning of lots of people in that space in terms of a lot of the horse code isn't licensed and then know what happens if people start did you see this article did you see the buzz about it on twitter i did a little yeah i did i did see it i wasn't uh i don't know i was i i usually people who i've worked with and for usually are pretty good about their licenses so it's i i'm not sure it's i i've not seen this problem firsthand though you know, I, I think the the issue that the the person the author was raising was that GitHub doesn't sort of prompt you when you fork a project to select right. a license, and that can be problematic because then if somebody else, you know, it gets forked three or four times, or you know, you end up using it. And I've had this problem a lot, or or run into this issue where companies that I work with will will have a product that is actually a combination of a bunch of forked projects. If the license, and I've actually done license cleanup too, where it's like you have to go audit the licenses. So uh, one of the people on Twitter said, this is not an issue because we're in a post-open source world. Uh, and I thought that was a weird way to put it because it doesn't really matter post or pre-open source if you get sued. And you know we've seen with Samsung and Apple and all of the patent stuff, if you get sued, then all of this rhetoric around you don't need a license kind of go seems to go out the window. So I, I don't know why there was such a, I mean, all the Twitter buzz I saw, there was sort of a, a backlash in terms of this is stupid and whatever GitHub does is fine. Uh, when the suggestion in the article, which is they should put an extra screen in that asks you to think about the license seems pretty reasonable to me. It, it would almost seem like a public service to help people do the right thing. Yeah, um, I, I think people should be paying attention to their licenses. I mean, it's, that is like, it's... It's not entirely silly. Like it's you know, it, it is important in this day and age to like pay attention to that, especially when you're working with code that is, you know, what open source license you're going with. I usually feel that's that responsibility is definitely on the the user though. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Right. I, I, a screen a screen seems like an innocent way to be like, hey guys, you might want to just check. I don't think that's. I think that's a pretty reasonable suggestion. Next up, uh, so Sasha, you linked to an SCM patterns cheat sheet that's pretty useful, especially for talking about, I guess, uh, release engineering terms you hear a lot. Where'd you find the find the, the cheat sheet card? Where did I find it? 
Uh, most of my stuff comes to me through Twitter or through uh, Prismatic, which is kind of the same thing. This reminds yeah. we'll share it in the, the uh, show notes, but there's a great interactive cheat sheet card for Git and helping you understand, like helping people understand the difference between like different states that files can be in and the commands to move the files in between the states, which is something I had trouble with when I was first uh, learning Git. So somebody put back together this interactive thing. So it's, it's actually really nice. Uh, you see kind of a lot of, we always talk about uh, flashcards when we're studying for stuff, but it's nice to have something like this kind of at your fingertips, especially if you're not talking about uh, release engineering concepts every day and somebody says a term and you're like, oh, I, I remember that, but I forget what it is. So well, this, this page is, I mean, the one that I shared, it's the D-Zone has a whole pile of uh, rough cards on everything under the sun, nice. hundreds of them. So right. this was just one of the more recent ones that came out. Yeah, and, and uh, one that's, well, actually, though, I, oh, interesting. I, at the bottom, links to a bunch of, like, ref, they've got a ref card on Git, uh, links to mm -hmm. other stuff, build tools. Interesting. Cool. We'll have to out for, uh, keep an eye out for new, uh, new flashcards they do. And last up tonight, uh, we have a story uh, from, again, from Slashdot. I guess Dave Weiner wants to declare the Flickr API a national historic landmark, which is kind of interesting. He uh, petitioned President Obama via the uh, White House's petition website for this. And uh, I guess his reasoning is that uh, with Facebook shutting down certain APIs uh, that were public and then uh, Google starting to charge for uh, their use of their APIs and Twitter as well, having restrictions that the Flickr API should be protected. Uh, this was uh, around the tweeters for the last couple of days. Did you guys see this? No, I haven't seen it until I, now. I did. Yeah, I, I, I did. I, I find this very interesting because there's a lot of like, it, it seems a little like, I think calling it a national treasure may be basic, but it is a way that it gets it protected. It at least gets people to think about how things are, uh, how APIs are being used and licensed. Well, it gets what protected, though? I mean, if you declare something as belonging to everyone, does that mean the people who are actually wrote it don't get to change the back end? I mean, they have to constantly uh, support it as well as whatever else they're doing because now that API belongs to the public. Um, yeah, that's, is this, that, that's where This reads like a giant through. troll to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to agree with Sasha on that point. I, 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 it doesn't really make any sense to me. I mean, what are we, what are we talking about? Like, uh, you know, and well, it's, it sounds really good, but who's going to support it? Like, who's yeah, actually going I mean, to have to I'm, the I'm code? down on the side of I think Twitter is our big jerks for what they're doing with their API, but I don't think uh, nationalizing their API is the way to go about it. And I'm not even that big a fan of Anne Rand, and I still think that. So I thought this was interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, you see a lot of, and I've heard this said a few times, and honestly, uh, coming from an open source background that I have, I don't get it. But a lot of next generation, quote unquote, developers seem to think that open source is an API. And I've heard this, I've heard bigwigs at Microsoft talk about it in, in speeches they've given, and people link to it, and they're like, the web service is the new open source. And, That's, you know. I don't understand that. I'm going to need more I, words to understand that. Well, I, I'll, I'll link to, uh, I'll, I'll dig up the, the talk that somebody linked Please to. Please do, because that sounds I'll, dumb. I'll link, uh, yeah, I'll, well, I'll link them in the show notes. But the important point, I think, is that if that's the argument, uh, if you believe that argument, or you, at least you believe that people believe that, I could see how people would want to solve the problem of 
Twitter charging for their APIs, or not Twitter, um, Google charging for their APIs, or Twitter limiting their APIs. But by the same token, it's like, there's this whole, I mean, you brought this up, Sasha, there's this implementation problem of what, really? How are you going to, how does that even make sense, you know, nationalizing an API? Um, but the flip side is, that the, you know, the interesting part, too, is that I've heard that people have talked about wanting the social graph to be a utility, uh, the diaspora guys, I think, made reference to this, that, you know, the social graph should just be a utility that other things can leverage, uh-huh. which is scary in a lot of ways. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, People that have a of, real sense of entitlement about a lot of stuff, but it doesn't make it right. Yeah, so anyway, there's we'll link to the petition. If you think uh, Flickr API should be a national treasure, you can sign it. I think it should only be a national treasure if it's just really, really good, and in which case then, then I'll think about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. then what do you get? The government uh, making sure that it's supported? That's going to work out really well. Yeah. No, it's totally not going to work out, but it would be kind of hilarious. So, does this mean the next time Nicolas Cage comes out with National Treasure or whatever, the, the next National Treasure is going to be the Flickr API, or...? Uh, I, would, I would take <laughs> the money to watch that movie. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting what you see petitions for these days, so... Well, uh, next up, we'll be talking about release engineering and DevOps during the holidays here on The Ship Show. Well, welcome back to The Ship Show. So our topic tonight, release engineering DevOps during the holidays. We're going to be talking a little bit about what these teams do and, and whether or not the way we currently uh, handle the holiday season uh, with respect to those particular teams makes any sense. So let's start out tonight. Are uh, any of you guys on doing uh, pager duty or, or have things kind of slowed down for you during the holidays? Oh, my stuff's been pretty laid back. But I, again, I serve a dev team set, so we don't actually have a lot that we have to make sure is available. We have like we had to make sure the build infrastructure was there and subversion. And on a, strangely enough, the wiki, which is where everybody puts their run books and stuff in their deployment instructions. So, so quick question about that: Are there any are there people on you know is there pager duty going around to keep those things running during the holidays or? Yeah, so my team, the dev team, sir, the, the dev tools team, we actually manage those as well. And we didn't actually need to be in the office. I'm currently working for a giant retailer or, you know, uh, consulting for one. And uh, my team that I'm working with, we didn't need to be in the office, but we were on call with the understanding that we would be available in within like five minutes or whatever if, if we were pager duty. But the dev teams who were supporting website stuff and, and the ops team were all on site 24-7 until like thanks the day after Thanksgiving afternoon when they were like, it's so boring, everybody go home. <laughs> Which was really kind of cool. Well, but I can't well, claim a lot of credit for that because like I said, we're just dev tools. Yeah. That yeah. is literally the best feeling ever is when they say, hey, everything's stable. Everyone just go home. Well, I know. Everybody it was so boring. You know, and they had, yeah. you know, everybody was in there 24-7, too. And, and, yeah, I think the apps guys didn't actually go home because I, I think, you know how, I don't think they could quite bring themselves to do it, but I think everybody actually had permission to go home. Well, Seth, you, said, you guys, are you are you on call? Do you have any on-call stuff during the holidays? I, I'm on, I did offer, like, enough people are taking a break that I'm, I've offered, I've made sure that I will be available, you know, within, you know, 10, 15 minutes um, for, for any, like, internal infrastructure issues. 
What is that so, need over the holidays? It's just like there, there are a few servers that are run for internal services, like people doing tests that, that we need to make sure stay up because we're doing like long running tests on like, say, a new version. Um, sure. And so like, str- like, like stress tests. And so some of those things do need to stay up. So like somebody might need, you know, SSH keys. It's usually like really minor thing, but it's usually related to that. So it's not holiday critical. It's just no, no, no. you have people who want to go enjoy the holiday. Yeah, they're they're yeah, exactly. They want to have their turkey. <laughs> Yusuf, are exactly. you are you on call? Yeah, I'm on call for mainly uh, build uh, infrastructure related uh, stuff. So if any any of our you know continuous builds die or uh, nightly builds or anything like that uh, goes awry, then uh, uh, I'm kind of expected to to get everything back up and running. But mm-hmm. no, nothing. Um, Nothing too intense. Well, so you know, one of the things, I mean, so uh, it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm actually working during the holidays, but that's because of poor planning. I'm not really on call. I just have been trying to finish some projects up. But the reason I, I you know, wanted to talk with you guys about this topic is traditionally I, I've been in the position, and, and Sasha, we were kind of talking about this. It's funny because you were like, what is a release team? Um, but I was saying, you know, the release team has been responsible to, like, be on call, not just for sounds like a lot of us are doing support for infrastructure things. So, you know, we have to make sure the subversion server's up or whatever it is. But it was actually, we had to be available to do releases. You know, we had to be able to spin up and do a full, complete release of of the product that we were working for. And what I found interesting about that uh, is that that was the case at pretty much every place that I've worked is, is there was an expectation that there could be, you know, a full release could be done during the holidays. Have you guys ever... Had that experience? Have you ever been someplace where it's like, you know, someone needs to be around on December 18th because we might have to do a release? Well, it's, what does that mean? Because when I live, work in retail, there's always the danger of having to do emergency fixes for, like, bugs. But there's no such thing as a release during the holidays in retail. I mean, there could be a possibly an emergency build and deploy, but I, I don't know if that's the same thing that you mean as a release. Because, yeah, our dev teams were on site for that kind of stuff for sure and I don't I'm not really part of that but um, there was the, the always the danger that they would have to manufacture a bug fix on short notice and get it out to the website but right. I don't so, know if that so counts I think, as a release yeah no, I know I think it's the same thing okay there's no planned yeah, releases okay. during the holidays because that would be never for retail at least right I've seen, I've seen game teams do holiday releases before that's always fun well and yeah so fun, I, I mean it's a nightmare. Right, right. Yusuf, have you, have you ever been on call to actually do a full kind of release and all that stuff? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Not to, uh, not to a full production environment. I've definitely been on call to push code out to kind of a, a product staging environment where people were getting ready to push something out, like, you know, maybe the week after Christmas or the first right. week of January, that type of thing. So it's still critical, but it's not production production. Right. Okay. So, Seth, I actually wanted to ask you about your game studio experience because we were talking about this earlier, and I was saying, yeah, I, I can't believe, you know, I, I never understood why you were like games, and so what, we're going to talk about that in a sec. But, Sasha, to your point about, you know, uh, you, you don't schedule releases except if it's like a bug fix thing and there's a release. The one thing I've never understood while I'm kind of sitting there on December 18th or having my pager at 
I, I, I guess I've had a couple of experiences. One, and I, I, we made reference to this in a couple other episodes, where I was actually doing a release at the Christmas dinner table, and that really sucked. And we talked a little bit about that in, in uh, I think this was the rollback episode. But the other thing is that uh, I've never understood why there's been such planning around you know, having the release teams available during the holidays only because usually the devs aren't available. They're off doing their thing. Usually QA isn't available. So even if you have one or two devs that can kind of like do a bug fix, you don't really have anyone to test it. And so we're around to build it. And then it's like, well, and then deploy it out. And that then runs the risk of the thing we were talking about in the uh, in the rollback episode where it's like, okay, you're on your fourth fix. because. So it seems to me uh, that a lot of times during the holidays, the rest of the supporting team for for us, so whether that's program management or, you know, whatever, isn't there. And, and so is this a problem you guys have run into at all? This is never the case with retail. I can tell you that senior management was on site Thanksgiving Day. Uh, where I was at, and that is that is very often the case. Although this year, I know there was some new um, uh, bling dot com stuff going on for the first time that they wanted to babysit very closely because um, retail does not want to be in the news over the holidays, especially if you're a public company. And this is the bread and butter time of year. People make a lot of their money this time of year. Right. You you do not play around with the retail stability anywhere. At all. I mean, people can get fired for making changes without permission and things. You just don't touch stuff ever. Right. Unless, like, and even if it's a bug fix, you might just work, put in a workaround and then the release goes out in January. Well, so that's, that's interesting that you were saying, for the most part, the execs were on board and, and it seemed like kind of all hands on deck. Is my experience just weird that that didn't seem to be the case where it was like, Retail is different. Also, if you work for insurance during open enrollment, same thing, right? Oh, yeah. And said yeah, you were actually during college enrollment, right, too, right? Because you said you were. Oh, yeah. That was, I was, like, was going to say universities because that's when you, uh, December is when all the students leave. So you actually get to, like, once, you know, say finals are done and all the grades are, and you can futz around with the system. So, like, <laughs> December through January is your kind of time to, like, make certain changes because that's your break. And so, but you can't, you don't touch anything during an enrollment. You, you keep you like batting down the hatches and just hope everything holds right. because, um, I mean, I, I was at a very large university. So you have, let's just say, you know, 50 to 75,000 students enrolling at one time. And there's a mainframe involved here. So just, it'll make your brain hurt. Um, and so that's, what, that's when you need to stay out. That's actually a really good segue into one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about because, like I said, I've never really understood why there's so much planning around having uh, that release infrastructure available. And it sounds to me like there may be a little bit of a difference between you know native software and, and then online websites or, or ser- service software, even you know backend software for retail stuff where the, it may be a little bit different. But Seth, it was funny, uh, you were saying, hello games, you know, people are, are opening those things Black Friday and they're opening them Christmas morning and that's actually when you'll see load spikes on the servers. Is that, is you'll, that right? You'll see, you'll see, I mean, you'll see more, so you have more people at home playing games, typically. Right. Um, oh, so over the holidays in general, sure. Yeah. 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 With online games, now you also have, say you're releasing a game in the late, you know, of the cycle, so you're actually releasing around you know, November, late November, 
you are going to be doing bug fixes or, or DLC or something to try and get another, you know, another thing out. So it can get, it can get really busy and stay really busy. It also depends, like, on console games, it's usually that downloadable stuff that you're working on, whereas with online games, it's, you try and treat it more like a traditional release engineering environment where you want to just keep it stable and not make any crazy changes. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I was actually talking over this topic with a with a friend of mine who's who's a release engineer. And the other thing that they said, which I actually had forgotten about, uh, but it sort of makes sense to what you're saying is you've got. Uh, they were saying that's the the Christmas time was the time of year we actually backed up the Perforce server and did all of the maintenance for the year. Not all of the maintenance, but a lot of the big like upgrades and things that that they would they would defer until like most everyone was out of the building and try to do it then. But they did de-emphasize because of that the actual release engineering focus in terms of actually being able to ship product because you can't ship you know you can't really ship if if source control is down and and other infrastructure stuff is down. Well, that's I, I've seen that at a game studio too, where it's do the maintenance during the, the Christmas. It's like okay, we have downtime right now. Do you know do the Perforce server upgrade or do the remap the depot? Right. right. Well, so let me ask you guys this. So it sounds it's funny. It sounds like you know my experience may be a little bit different. I, I'd be actually curious if anyone in the audience is nodding their head or I'm just a weird outlier here. But do you guys think DevOps and the whole DevOps movement, uh, quote unquote, changes any of this? Changes this we need to be able to to uh, ship on December twenty fourth. Um, I think that it really helps with the flexibility of of the folks doing the work. I guess it, certainly it has helped a little bit. I, there actually has not been a lot of actual espousing of DevOps, but like I said, the developers all had people on site through the critical time period along with ops, so that things could be fixed together. So I mean, I think. It's had some positive impacts. I think if you have your system, your system should be ready to deploy at all times. That way, it's not a big deal if you need to do a release over the holidays or at, in an emergency because you should be kind of like ready to go. And if you have good like good change management, then it can be totally manageable because it's not any different from another release. Except for the part where the VP has to sign off on it. Well, that part, yeah. That's, yeah. That's well, now, yeah. yeah th- and this is, I mean, this is one of those things I, I think, you know, I agree with you, but I guess I'm also of the mind, like, it seems like the rest of the world shuts, and I guess this is sort of my question and why I wanted to talk about it. On the other day. It seems like the rest of the world kind of shuts down after, let's say, December 15th, you know, whatever it is, around the holidays. And I've just seen so much planning on who's going to have pager duty to, to, do a build that we can ship, you know? And and so you're talking about, well, you should be able to do a release at any time. Sure. But this kind of goes back to that uh, rolling back episode. Is it a good idea to do any release that is not mission critical around that time? And, and your answer, Seth, and I don't mean to pick on you, but sort of implies, well, you should be able to, so it should be fine. But is that is that something, is that behavior that organizationally we should incentivize uh, uh, things should be ready to go at any moment hell yes yeah I right. it's more about minimizing minimizing the pain because it release i usually feel that such such activities will be inevitable so you should just be ready for them plan for failure man well that and i think yeah. you need to planning, right, right, that's actually really important but if you're planning for failure and you're telling people, hey, it's December 24th, you're going to work the next 28 hours because I'm going to make a poor business decision, is that, that's what I was asking, is that the behavior Who's making we, that poor business decision? Because I actually have something to say about that. Uh, I, I, well, so the point that I was going to make was kind of like, I think before you, you're pushing anything out into production, especially during this 
um, holiday season or a phase, you need to kind of categorize the type of changes you're going to make and say, okay, well, what's the what's the overall potential impact to this particular product area or whatever? And so, if you're do, if you're practicing proper continuous delivery or build promotion, hopefully that stuff will go through some sort of staging environment where you'll get to vet that stuff and then you kind of get an idea of what you're what you're going to be doing in production. Well, in any mature organization, obviously we don't all, they're not all mature, but in any mature organization where your bread and butter is on the line, business people are going to restrain themselves from going, whoopee, let's do something in the middle of our peak times, right? But I actually do have a story about back in the wild, wild west days when I was growing up, mm -hmm. and uh, it was like 2000 maybe, 2001, I can't remember. And the business decided the night before Thanksgiving, and I was at a different giant retailer at the time, uh, the business decided the night before Thanksgiving that they needed to push out different images to the website than the ones they had originally planned on. And I was like, what? Right? I mean, I'm like, no, you can't touch the website. Back in those days, I mean, duct tape and string was high tech. Right? right, And I went to the senior manager and I was like, how can you let them do this? I mean, we could all die. And, <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, our job is to enable the business. If we don't do that, then we don't have a job. And that was my earliest lesson. This is, like I said, maybe 10 years ago, where I really stopped to think for just a second what I'm doing here. And it's not pushing buttons and, and making shiny things. It's it's making sure the business can sell their stuff and we can all make money and go home at night and not starve, right? And that was kind of a really profound moment for me because it taught me to think outside of my IT box. Right. That's so really me, important. So, so let me press you on this because I guess this is the point I was making and I'm a little confused now about what you're saying. So if the DevOps mantra is you should be able to push at any time and there should be no risk and you should expect failure, though, which those are kind of in conflict a little bit, but that, that's fine. Let's just uh, assume that, that's, that, that I'm stating that correctly and correct me if I'm not. And also part of DevOps is we should talk about the cultural aspect and we should not throw things over the wall. We should be all in it together. Then my question would be, doesn't that seem to be in direct conflict with I want to do a release on the day before Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving or on Christmas where I'm basically ruining other people's holidays? Isn't that kind of yeah. culture? Well, that was the wild, wild west for one. And I don't think it was culture so much as I think it was immature. Very immature back in the day. I mean, it yeah, we're doing yeah. so, that, oh. Let, let's and ignore I that. Don't know let, anybody who is, thinks that it's a good idea to plan for releases during the holiday. However, you should always plan for emergencies, right? So, I mean, just because you don't think that you're going to get a hurricane in Minnesota doesn't mean that I shouldn't make sure that I don't have flashlights sitting here. Or right, right, right. So, so I'm not so much talking about the Wild Wild West because I, I agree. I mean, we all did weird things back then, right? Uh, and actually, it's funny. I mean, there wasn't sort of quote-unquote DevOps, talking about this stuff. And I guess, so I guess what I would say is I, I would expect, and, and this is a question, I would expect the DevOps position to actually be, no, you need to give your team a break during the holidays, and you need to, that's actually where you kind of stop. And, well, and I, I guess my question is... I talking about different contexts here, though, because, okay. I mean, you're talking about other places and other companies, other things. When, in retail, you don't get breaks over the holiday because you sell sh and people buy sh during the holidays. And so, mm. and I've had this talk with my boyfriend too, because he's like, the day after Thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I have to go to work. 
It's not a holiday. He's <laughs> right. like, yes, it is some a holiday. And I'm like, no, it, technically it's not a holiday. So, right. you, so we got two different contexts that we're talking about right now. And that is companies that are not ma- earning their bread and butter during the holidays and the companies that are, right? So, and that's what I do. I work a lot with retail. And you need to make sure that everything is stable. And then you need to plan in case it's not. But you should never plan, you should never actually have releases on the schedule after, generally freeze happens November 1st for retail. So you should never have releases on the schedule, but you should be able to do one if it's critical to, if people can't check out during holiday, I live in Minneapolis, you know who's here, Uh, Target and Best Buy are both uh, based here. If one of those guys, you can't check out the day after Thanksgiving or even on Thanksgiving Day online, that is like CNN headline news. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let me ask you this. Let me ask. So, if uh, by the way, that makes sense to me. That makes sense that there's a distinction to be made between uh, an organization that is making their money during the holidays, and that's that's important time for them versus organizations that aren't. And it's interesting because I, I, I guess part of the context I'm not giving is I've worked places where it's like the software is not related to retail at all. It's not. You have to deploy it in an enterprise. It's huge. And it's like they still want someone around to, to do a release. And it's like, why? No one at any of our the customers are going to be around to d- deploy it in, in their environment. And so why would we do that? So yeah, I think I you, make, you, retail, make, you make a good like, point. No Christmas, you know. I wouldn't be doing stuff over the holidays necessarily either if it weren't yeah, retail. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, you make a very good point. So that, yeah. But if I were so for I insurance, to... it would be January, right? Nobody right, gets right. to well, Nobody gets to play, play games in January for insurance. Well, so let me ask you this then. So if you do work retail, then it seems like every year your Christmas and holidays just are horrible. They just suck because you're working. And so my question is, what do you guys think? Like, how, how do you address that as an organization uh, with, you know, your release engineering and DevOps teams, but also with, uh, you know, kind of the other supporting teams that may expect it to be available every single Christmas? How do you, how do you solve the problem of, you know, you do that to a team, the entire team be there every year, like you're... There's going to be a lot of turnover, right? There's going to be that, man. No, it's part of the job, especially if you're in ops. That's what you do. I mean, you just, that's what you do. So you, you know, don't think there's... You, you, well, you person it out fairly is what you do, and you, you ask for people to opt in because there's always those of us who uh, don't travel over the holidays and those of us who don't mind taking extra shifts on the holidays and stuff because I'd rather have uh, extra vacation in July, you know, and, and every place I've ever worked has been completely reasonable about that kind of thing. Yeah, but let's talk a little more specifically. What would be your suggestion around that? Because, for instance, I'll, I'll give you an example. I have been in a situation where it's like Christmas Day, which is a holiday here in the States, and I was working and there was no comp time. There was no, it was just, you know, you know, we needed this thing and sorry. And so my question is, if you're from a cultural perspective and from a, we don't want to screw people over and burn them out perspective, what do you think if the requirement is you should be around on the holidays or, you know, Seth, uh, you're saying for game deployments, right? Which I get that uh, is another one that makes sense. What do you think uh, organizations should be doing to make sure that specifically that that doesn't happen? That it doesn't happen unreasonably. Well, I think they should. People should be paying attention to sure and make sure that there is comp time, especially for salaried employees. A lot of us uh, at my current gig are consultants, and so we worked out a compensation model that worked for you know on call and and actually answering a pager and stuff. Okay. Uh, but in general, what I have seen work is that opt-in works quite well, and everybody has to produce, at least in retail organizations. Uh, a visible on-call schedule with with all the time slots filled with people and everything. So, 
generally, I mean, we just kind of parceled it out. And there's usually somebody willing to take Christmas or whatever. And honestly, Christmas is not that big of a deal. It's Thanksgiving, right? That's the big part. That's that weekend yeah. is, is the rough one for us. And so I, I really think that if companies are serious about it, they generally are good with the comp time and uh, seriously appreciative of things. And, and where I'm at right now, the execs led by example and the, the I don't even know what, I don't know what her, the, the senior exec in the area, like in charge of a lot of the dot com, was in the office and she brought turkey. Oh, see, okay, that, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because I've been in the position where I get the phone call from the exec level to, hey, you're working for the next 28 yeah. hours. And by the way, I'm going to go spend it with my family. And, and yeah. uh, you know, DevOps loves to talk about culture. You want, you know, I don't know, but I think that's pretty shitty. She's there every year, from what I understand. So I, yeah. they are really serious there about stability and, and coming together over the holidays and then... Right. I, yeah. yeah, and I I have never seen anybody burn out from being abused over holiday stuff. That's really never been a problem for me. Mm. I'm sure it could be in crappier companies, but I've always felt the freedom to move on. Yeah, Seth and Yusuf, what do you do? You guys, what do you guys think about? Uh, you know, should there be if working during the holidays is inevitable? What should organizations be doing to make that as you know least as painless? least painful as possible? So what I would say is um, if you're going to have something that was just recently released before before the holiday season, that you should definitely have some sort of a time period where uh, developers are definitely on board to, to help out with any particular issues. So if you're, all, if you're dumping it completely on ops, I, I don't think that's fair. Um, I think if, if, if folks on ops have to be on call to you know, to get things working, then the you know developers should be on call as well. That said, I think it depends. I mean, there are other um, verticals out there. Um, I'm thinking specifically um, doctors, nurses, and hospitals and such, and they're on call. And as systems become more important, uh, software systems become more, a lot more important than, uh, you know, those type of systems are, are you know, going to have to have people um, kind of locked into a certain schedules. But, yeah, I think some sort of comp time or somebody were to bring a turkey in, that, that would be a really nice gesture. So, yeah. Jeff? I, uh, well, I, if I ever worked like overtime during the holidays at Game Studios, they always got us lots of treats. So <laughs> it was it was never that bad. Um, mm. But yeah, I've uh, I've always as long as you like as long as you parcel it out like evenly. Um, most of the time, I've been pretty lucky. I know I, there was one time I did I had to do a help desk gig from my home. So like I was actually like answering tickets and stuff, and like had a headset on all day. It was people calling, well, for university stuff, and so it's just like you know people who are like trying to like reset a password or something. Um, but I don't know. It's it's not too bad. Usually, just you rotate, and it's fine. Yeah, you a know, sense of uh, shared like a shared suffering and a sincere appreciation goes a seriously long way for most people. And I don't think it's really about the money for most of them. I think it's about being appreciated. I agree. Shared, shared suffering is a powerful thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, uh, it's interesting in, in hearing of this conversation. We all kind of talked about comp time and money, but I think you're right. You know, everyone is saying it's, it's not about either of those, and I think it, I, I think that's totally right. I, I the, the Christmases I keep thinking about that were kind of ruined, you remember the fact that you were doing that, and it doesn't matter that you may have gotten extra money or whatever. The one thing I would point out that I, I think is important to look at is, you know, in the rollback episode, we talked a lot about you deploy something 
and then something is wrong, so you roll it back. And and I remember Seth, you had a, a really funny quotation about this, where it's like, you know, it's it, it's never that simple, and you're on your fifth or sixth rollback, and it's still not working. I think those systems they should always be well tested, and and that should be part of. And we talked about that on that episode. But I think during the holidays, you don't want to get into the situation where you're on your fifth or sixth rollback, or your fifth or sixth. You know, this is the issue I ran into that holiday season where it's like we were on our, I don't know, third or fourth beta, and and doing a beta release was a long process. You know, it took a long time to get everything you know, lined up and actually do a release. So you want to make sure that that you try to minimize putting any of your teams in a position where they're in that flaily fifth or sixth rollback position as much as possible. And the other thing I, I was thinking about, and you said this, Seth, and this is, I think, part of that shared, you know, sharing the suckiness of having to work during the holidays. Uh, I've been in situations where trying to do a release and then the VPN gateway goes down. And then you're like, well... With them, you got to find you know the IT people, and they're not around. Maybe maybe they are. In this particular case, they weren't. And so, just whatever support systems there are in place to do release engineering, DevOps stuff, uh, that it, there's at least someone you can call during the holidays if you're working to get support there. So it sounds like Sasha, kind of the position you're in, the the teams that you're supporting. It sounds like someone from your team is around, so that's really good that somebody's right. paying attention to that. So. Retail plans like the military for holidays. I mean, holiday capacity planning starts in July. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Well, and, you know, like like you pointed out, it's it's all dependent on when you make your bread and butter and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm actually, I'm glad that we kind of talked through this because the, the upshot, it sounds to me, is like, you know, the way that I was looking at it was like, I'm, you know, I'll be honest, I, I, I'm kind of bitter about working during the holidays because I think, well, it's because I think I've been in environments where necessarily the culture wasn't that great around, you need to, if you're going to have segments of the team on board to do releases during the holidays for whatever reason, then it's important to share that pain so that developers and ops and release engineering and QA and everyone is around if the business determines that's what they need to do. And that's, again, a cultural thing. And yeah, it sounds like it's a real different experience when it's not retail stuff. I don't know that I would have people plan to really can't plan for anything in the month of December. Can you? I mean, people are gone. Right, right. Well, and that's, again, that's the weird thing. If you're not, I did a short stint at a bank one year, and I was like, December is dead. It's like a wasteland in there. Right, exactly. Yeah, and 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 that's kind of the the weird thing is I've been in situations where it's like I don't like it's me and someone else that didn't have anywhere to go, like didn't have anything to do, and it's like cubicle land is dead, and you're kind of like, why am I here? And you know, some people actually like that because they effectively get paid to sit on Facebook all day because uh, they're not really doing anything. And, and but if you if you have somewhere to be. If you have loved ones to be with, then it's it's a little suckier. So, but yeah, sometimes it's it's amusing to me how often it just comes back to yeah, it's about the culture, stupid, and it, it depends on in general your culture is good or bad about whether or not this is painful during the holidays or not. Well, I think it's cool that a lot of us are old enough now that we feel free to move on from from unpleasant situations or situations that are less less enjoyable than we like and I, I think it's also good in some ways the millennials coming up behind us who are 
into, uh, they, they have certain expectations and senses of entitlement, I think, that will be good for stuff like this, too, because yeah. uh, people are less willing to let you beat them down for a job these days, I think, in some ways, especially in IT and, and things like that. Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword, and we we could talk about that for a while. But I do think you're you're spot on with it. Is this sort of, you know, you you need to be. You should be you, grateful for your job and do what we tell you. Need to be on call, and that's just the way it is. And if you don't like it, you just deal with it. I I think to your point, people are realizing no, this the, my life and my family and stuff are important. Yeah, and it's important that I make time for them. And so it's it's nice to see that shift. Uh, and if you, but on the other uh, hand, you don't get a job in retail if you aren't planning to give up a good portion of your holiday time for this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's actually a good question to ask if you're in a role like it's one of those things. If, if the, if you're all about Christmas and the holidays are your big thing, and you want to take your two weeks of vacation, and you're going to go work for a big retailer as a DevOps person, you might want to think twice about that, or at least right. ask what the what the story is there. Well, uh, we'll be back uh, in a moment here on the Ship Show. All right, well, welcome back to The Ship Show. So for our last episode of the year and uh, talking a lot about the holiday season, we thought it would be fun to have the entire Ship Show crew get a little festive. And so we sat down and wrote our take on the holiday season. And so we will present that now. "'Twas the night before 1.0 and all through the cloud. Not an instance was flapping, reserved instances vowed. All the deployments were done via chef with great care, Idempotent deployments so quick redeploys aren't a bear. All the devs were home, nestled tight in their beds, while visions of stateless sessions danced in their heads. I with my maven and friends with their aunt, both waiting in earnest to give Gradle a chance. When up on the office dashboard came the red in the smatter, I sprang for my errand and told Pound Ops, hold the chatter. To the pup-butt master I SSH'd in a jiffy, pseudoing my way to Varlog, searching for entries that were iffy. When what to my wondering eyes should appear... But runaway processes, a load average of 80 on my gear. With some special tools and my old thumb stick, my debugging started lickety-split. With phone all a-ringing, the SMSs came from PagerDuty dutifully calling my name. Now SSH, now Tmux, now Grep and Awk. On Python, on Perl, Ruby, and Gmock. I desperately tailed log files, tailed them all, to find what had caused my servers to fall. When I looked at Graphite, my consternation grew. My brand new database server's gone down too. And to my dismay, Lud went through the roof on every last note of my clustered Hadoop. Back through the change log, I looked to the sound of more and more alerts going off all around. Hardware failure? Software bug? Configuration kaput? Until it was fixed, I would have to stay put. A bundle exec rate capistrano deploy command, in fact, were the few key presses I knew would rebuild my stack. Yet running the command failed, causing much apprehension. Error failed to build gem native extension. Packet loss was rising 40%. Oh no, I was wondering how much worse it could go. Every cluster had problems, I gritted my teeth. Kernels were panicking, JVMs out of memory, no lolcat relief. Surely our architecture wasn't that smelly for complex failures even beyond Machiavelli. My nerves shattered, I reached for the scotch on the shelf, with panic almost overwhelming myself. I picked up the phone to wake the CTO from his bed. The product launch the next morning must go ahead. He spoke not a word as I told him it's Bort. 
but side down the line as his mind went to work. Aha, I have it, a foolproof plan. Have you tried turning it off and then turning it on again? I did exactly what the great man suggested, and lo and behold, without needing to test it, everything started working, Nagio said it's all right, happy launching tomorrow, and for me, it's good night. We would like to thank David Lutz, who helped us put that together. Uh, you may know him from a bunch of his other parody songs that he's done about DevOps, and he was very gracious to help us with that. And also EJ, who couldn't join us tonight, actually started us off with that particular poem. So uh, that brings us to the end of the show. If you have any feedback for us or anything you'd like to discuss, you can always tweet us at ShipShowPodcast on Twitter or email us at crew at the shipshow.com. So from San Francisco, wishing you and yours all the best the season has to bring, this is Paul Reed signing off. And this is Yusuf signing off from San Diego. This is Sasha signing off from Minneapolis. And this is Seth signing off from Austin. We'll see you all in 2013.